Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Solution, a wellness manifesto. I'm your host, Dr. Nate Lowenstein, and this is episode number one, The Problem. All right, let's get into it. Because this is the first episode of the podcast, I really just want to lay down some groundwork, uh, the who, what, when, where, why, how. So the first thing I'll talk about is a little bit about my background and why you should even bother listening to me when it comes to health and wellness concepts. I've been in the health and wellness world since I graduated high school. I joined the Army and I was a combat medic for several years until I changed my military occupation. So with the Army's help, I went back to school. I received an associate's degree in medical laboratory science, and during the time in the program, I met with a chiropractor named Dr. Chad Steskel, and he introduced me to some of the concepts of chiropractic, and the thing that struck me the most about this profession is that they have this desire to address cause versus addressing the effect, which is what we see in particular in the medical model with chronic illness and pain. Often the interventions are to treat symptoms without addressing cause. So I was very interested in that philosophy and sort of drawn to it. So I started at Palmer College in 2007 and I graduated cum laude in 2010. Prior to that time and a little bit during that time, I also pursued a bachelor's degree with areas of focus in both chemistry and biology. So my educational background, I have an associate's degree in medical lab. I have a bachelor's with uh, areas of focus in chemistry and biology and my doctor of chiropractic. After I graduated chiropractic school, I got my first job as a chiropractor uh, in Australia. And prior to moving down there through a friend at school, Dr. Mike Jones, I was introduced to the work of a guy named Dr. James Chestnut. And as luck would have it, James Chestnut was teaching his certified wellness practitioner program, Dan Unda. So shortly after I arrived, I committed some time and money, both of which I had very little, and signed up for his two-year program. His program focuses on health by focusing on three main concepts, eating, moving, and thinking well. And this content and my subsequent education, which we'll talk about in a minute, and the focus of these three essential and really simple components of wellness will drive a bulk of the content that you'll receive here. So with my newfound certification, I started teaching workshops at a local CrossFit affiliate, CrossFit Aubrey Wodonga. So I'm going to give a shout out to my coaches from there, Kobe and Diana, um, two people I have profound respect for. And one of my all-time favorite people who now owns that gym, Coach Kara, she and I sort of grew up in the CrossFit coaching world together. And that is where my wife, Steffi, and I both started our coaching experience. So um, I am now a CrossFit Level 3 coach with about eight years of coaching experience for both adults and kids in fitness, nutrition, mobility, and the wellness lifestyle. Around 2013, one of my oldest and closest friends, Coach Kuna, who I'm sure you'll meet someday here on the podcast, he approached me about moving back to the States and opening up our own affiliate. So we did that. Um, right now I'm living and working in Omaha, Nebraska. I own a CrossFit affiliate as a partner and I own a chiropractic business. So my motivation to work with people towards simple but ideal health has pushed me to keep learning. A lot of my training has indicated that the focus should be on nutrition, that nutrition is the foundation of everything when it comes to health and wellness. And so with that in mind, I recently started a master's program in human nutrition and functional medicine at the University of Western States. So who am I? I'm a doctor of chiropractic with more than 20 years of training and experience in various aspects of healthcare and wellness. In addition to that, and maybe even more importantly, I am a reformed sick person. 
when I started getting this wellness training, I started changing my perspective and I changed my lifestyle to match the new perspective. And at the time, I was probably in the ballpark of 60 pounds overweight. I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all these markers that put me at risk for cardiovascular disease, diabetes, along with a family history of heart disease. So I was exactly the sick person that I'm trying to reach with this show. Now, I'm in my 40s. I'm a healthy weight. I'm the strongest I've ever been in my life. My labs are normal. I don't take any medications. And if I want to, I can walk on my hands. So that's a little bit about who I am, what the purpose of the show is. I'm going to start with the title. The title has the word manifesto in it. And that really reflects why I'm here. I really like that word. I did hesitate to use it. We were going to call the show Your Friend's Diet is Stupid because, um, no offense, but your friend's diet probably is stupid. Uh, but that just wouldn't capture everything that we want to accomplish, that I want to accomplish in working with you. Um, and I hesitated to use it, the word manifesto, because it has some negative cultural references. A good friend of mine said that angry people write manifestos, and I do agree with that, but I would actually replace the word angry with passionate. And if you do that, then the word manifesto is incredibly appropriate for what I'm trying to accomplish here. Manifesto is defined in Webster's as a statement declaring publicly the intentions, motives, or views of its issuer. So a manifesto really is what I want you to know. And the manifesto here, I'm going to address chronic illness as a lifestyle disease and provide practical advice to combat that. That is my intention. What's my motive? My motive is to use my education and experience and background to translate the science of wellness so that you can apply it to your life in a meaningful way. Why? Because, well, in my opinion, health and wellness have been hijacked by profiteers. Marketing has us all convinced that to be healthy, we have to follow a new trend, a new diet, a new product or system, and that'll finally turn us into the person we dream of being. And I'm not saying that all products and all systems are bad, but if they're not built on solid biological principles, they're most likely nonsense and they're not going to help you. And it's just going to put you in and out of different habits that you're forming and breaking and failing. Genuine health is not complicated. We are going to explore some complicated material on this show, and I'll try to make that material less complicated for you, and I'm hoping to enlist other experts. So when you hear me say we, that's me talking about the hopefully the people that we get to join us here. But when it comes right down to it, health, genuine, authentic health has everything to do with the environment that we create for ourselves to live in. And we're going to spend multiple episodes, you and I, of this show exploring the concept that a, a so-called enriched environment provides the best outcome. And my conclusion is that it's not an enriched environment. A healthy environment for you to live in is normal and natural. And an unhealthy environment is what we've created, which is why we're seeing sickness. In the Army, we have an acronym. It's K-I-S-S -S or KISS, and it stands for Keep It Simple Stupid. The simplest answer is very often correct. You are biologically built to do a couple of things. You are meant to live your whole life in a body that moves and moves efficiently and without restriction or pain. You're meant to have a collection of social interactions over the course of your life, and guess what? They don't all have to be positive social interactions. You are never going to learn to cope with adversity if you never experience it. You're also meant to support both your physical and emotional health, your emotional movement, as well as your social interactions with food. And that food is meant to be real, whole, healthy food, not junk food, not processed food. So for the vast majority of us, there are some nuances, and we will get into those, but for the most of us, 
it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. As I mentioned before, when I got my training with Dr. Chestnut, it's eating well, moving well, and thinking well. And those are going to be the concepts that we just address over and over and over again. So these three areas also overlap in extremely meaningful ways. If you have effective physical training, you will be exposed to adversity. Real exercise is hard. And that training is going to teach you coping mechanisms that are effective for other of life's challenges. Hopefully you engage in that activity with a community that supports and suffers with you. In my experience, there is no better way. Fitness gained in isolation will always be trumped by fitness gained within the tribe. And that is true whether we're talking about physical or emotional fitness. We are social animals, folks. We need other people around us. And when you do this stuff with a group, I think the effect is much, much better. You'll also fuel yourself well or poorly and deal with the consequences of those choices. Ideal nutrition feeds vitality. Eating like an out-of-control six-year-old with an unlimited budget will leave you unfit, ill, sluggish, and it will leave you behind. The very best example of this I can think of is a hangover. So you have an acute dose of a toxic but rewarding substance, a drink, alcohol, that at the time feels very worth it, okay? Uh, two drinks in, it affects your brain in such a way that it makes you think that keeping going is a great plan. So you get good and hammered. And the next day, you're going to go run a half marathon, okay? Just let me know how that works out for you. So your physical and possibly even your emotional and social well-being is going to suffer as a result of the toxic behavior in just one of three categories. So you're only toxic in your intake, and it's going to affect everything else. So if you take a minute to consider this, you could make this crossover argument for eating well, for moving well, for thinking well. Okay? So what is the manifesto? Good choices get you good outcomes, and bad choices get you bad outcomes. And like it or not, you are in charge of your choices. Okay? So is this system perfect or guaranteed? Nope. Uh, and here comes the legal disclaimer, I suppose. Nothing I ever tell you will guarantee that you'll live a life free of chronic or acute uh, illness or infection. None of this advice is meant to treat or prevent any disease and should not supersede advice from a healthcare provider. And I genuinely mean all of that. And I will refer back to this episode if challenged. But, and this is a huge but. The evidence I'll present will show you that these lifestyle interventions provide significant benefit to reduce your risk. Frankly, that's really the best we can do. There are other factors at play, environmental factors, genetic factors that may be outside of our control, but we control our choices. So if we make the best choices, we give ourselves the best chance. Now, why does this matter? Really, the question we're trying to answer with that is how bad is it? How bad is the problem uh, that made me want to create the solution? So I'm going to lay out some statistics for you, and I know it's easy to get bogged down and lost in numbers, so I'm going to try to be brief here, but understanding these numbers to some degree is going to help us address this problem. So 72% of Americans are overweight or obese. Between 17 and 18, the years 2017 and 2018, there was a 12% jump, and now almost half of America is obese. Not overweight, obese. We're at 45% there. Severe obesity nearly doubled in that same year, and now it's close to 10% of Americans are categorized as severely obese. Hypertension or high blood pressure, which puts you at risk for stroke and cardiovascular disease. In 2017, half a million deaths, 500,000 deaths, had listed high blood pressure as a primary cause. How many Americans have high blood pressure? Again, it's 45%. So obesity and high blood pressure, just those two things combined, cost us $280 billion a year to 
treat, and we're not getting rid of them, we're treating them. The biggest growing problem right now is type 2 diabetes. 10% of Americans are diabetic, and it's estimated that by 2050, it could be as high as 33%. That means that one in three Americans will be diabetic, and 95% of those are type 2 diabetic. The one we're most concerned with on this show is type 2. Uh, we'll discuss some factors in later episodes around type 1, but really type 2 is the biggest driver of this increase, and it will be our focus. So we used to call type 2 diabetes adult onset diabetes, but we can't do that anymore because so many kids are getting diagnosed with this. Kids in America are being diagnosed with a chronic disease. That is a huge red flag we need to pay attention to. In the age group of 65 and up, it is 25%. So 25% of the elderly have diabetes. Uh, that matters for several reasons, including the current pandemic that we're in the middle of affecting the world. And the growth of these things is starting to become exponential. And thanks to living in the coronavirus time, most of you understand that term means it's not a linear growth anymore. It's curving up. In a 30-year time frame, the total of obesity or of diabetics grew by a factor of more than 10 from 30 million to more than 340 million between 1980 and 2010. That is a enormous growth. Okay. Also heart disease, number one killer in the world, hands down, kills more people than anything else. 600,000 people die every single year from heart disease. That's 25% of all deaths. And currently 26 million Americans have heart disease. Cancer lags slightly behind that. It kills just under 600,000. So between heart disease and cancer in America, just in America, that's 1.2 million deaths every single year. On the topic of cancer, it's estimated that cancer will account for 13.2 million deaths annually by 2032. Can you even just pause and think about that number? 13.2 million people will die from cancer 12 years from now. Chronic illness is a worldwide problem, so blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, and COPD account for more than half of the deaths in the whole world. 29.4 million people died from chronic illness in 2016, and these numbers, remember, they're starting to arc up. These totals are worse than the worst pandemics we've ever seen. They're worse than the 1918 flu. They're worse than the Black Plague. Um, this is the greatest pandemic we've ever seen. In a case you weren't paying attention to that, what I just said, in order to make it real for you, one-third of your friends and family will be diabetic. Half of your friends and family that you know right now will die from either heart disease or cancer, and it will cost you everything you have to try to treat those problems. So are you listening now? By the way, if you think eating well or exercise is expensive, try getting cancer or heart disease or COPD and look at how that compares. Those issues are literally bankrupting nations right now. By the way, if you think of it because I'm only giving American statistics, so in case you're listening from a different kind of country, hopefully this does apply to you. If you live in an affluent Western nation, I'm talking to you. You can feel free to dig into your local stats and you'll see what I mean. Between the two countries I've lived in, Australia and America, we just battle it out for the most obese country over and over again. Okay, so why all the doom and gloom? The reason I'm bringing up these numbers is to one, I want to make it real for you that you understand that half of the people you know are going to die from this stuff and a third of the people you know are going to be affected by diabetes. You need to understand that you are going to be affected by chronic illness. It will be in your life. But my goal with the show is to help you understand that the science of nutrition and lifestyle intervention is proving that you can reduce your risk substantially by eating, moving, and thinking well. 
earlier I compared this to a pandemic, and I'm, I'm sure I'll get some backlash from that, that you aren't allowed to compare chronic illness to infectious disease. But here's the trouble with that argument. This is a quote from the World Health Organization. It says, modern dietary patterns and physical activity patterns are risk factors that travel across countries and are transferable from one population to another like an infectious disease affecting disease pattern globally. Our lifestyle, the Western lifestyle of bad nutrition and no exercise is being compared to an infectious disease by the World Health Organization. Not only that, but I'm talking to you right now in the midst of yet another infectious disease global pandemic. And one of the most significant things in my mind that's happening right now is that we're seeing the world of chronic illness and acute infectious disease interact in a pretty uh, unexpected way. If you're paying attention, you'll notice that the people most affected by this novel coronavirus, the people suffering the worst outcomes, have comorbidities. These are exactly the kinds of illnesses we've been discussing. People with high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, those people are suffering more from the coronavirus than those without. And that is significant and something we need to pay attention to. This situation also highlights something I think it's important to mention, even if it's maybe controversial, it appears obvious that we will take our health very seriously when we're facing an immediate threat. But it seems equally obvious, based on the numbers I've just given you, that we will put our health at risk every day with the choices we make. If it's slow and steady, we don't necessarily panic about it. So is there anything we can do? Well, yeah. Of course, uh, that's the whole purpose. I'm, I'm here doing the manifesto. And so going back to the World Health Organization, I'm going to throw a couple of quotes from some of their technical reports. In 2003, the development of these diseases, of chronic diseases, is seldom if ever due to one single cause. Many lifestyle and environmental factors are known to increase the risk. Factors such as smoking, uh, drinking, inappropriate diet, and inadequate physical activity. These are at least to some extent within the control of a well-informed individual. So these are completely within the control of anyone living in an affluent society. If you have a cell phone and a flat screen TV, you can eat and move well. Okay, so to, the WHO is being a little bit polite to say these are to some extent within your control if you're well informed. They're completely within your control and being well informed is what I'm here for. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. In 1997, WHO again, and this highlights a key difference. Unlike many infectious diseases, the majority of chronic diseases are preventable but cannot as yet be cured. The emphasis must therefore be put on preventing their onset. Other reports go on to discuss diet and come to the conclusion that the current scientific available evidence would justify taking action on prevention now. Said another, another way, in 1997, the WHO concluded that our focus for chronic illness should be on a shift in lifestyle to prevent these diseases. It's been 23 years and we still have not made that shift. So we, you and I, we're going to make that shift together. So I'm going to quickly cover the when and how. My intention is to de deliver weekly content. My goal is essentially an approximately 20 to 30 minute episode that delivers something actionable, something you can put into your life. I think this episode's probably going to go a little bit long, uh, just out of necessity for laying the foundation, the groundwork. So you should anticipate shorter episodes coming down the, the pipeline. Next week might also go a little bit long uh, because we're going to be taking a closer look at the problem and discussing what I think is one of the biggest contributors to the increase in chronic illness, which is stress or something called allostasis. We're going to talk about what it is, where it comes from, what it does, and how it's killing us and look at strategies to begin to cope. I know a lot of you, when you hear the word stress, you think about emotional stress, but there's so much more to it than that. So that's going to be the focus for next week. 
Um, I need to thank a few people that helped me get started with this. I want to help my focus group uh, for really helping to make the early tweaks in these episodes so I can give you good content. Thanks to Kobe Head, Dave Udelson, and Blake Wagaman. You guys are amazing. If you're here and you're listening, and if you think this information can be helpful or beneficial to anyone that you know, please refer them back to this episode so that we can all get started on the same page. I think it's important for people to know those numbers that I listed and to understand that that's, that's a real thing that's happening in your life right now. Uh, and you're going to hear that again at the conclusion of every episode, just because I always want that to be referred back to here. So once again, I want to thank you for joining me. I'm really excited to be doing this podcast. I'm really looking forward to putting the content out and helping you, the listener, understand that health and wellness are not complicated, that we can take simple steps in our lives and gradually move in a direction towards improving our health without too much restriction, without too much focus. And I'm going to give you one step and then another and then another, and we'll get there together. So I very much look forward to working with you and I'm glad you're here. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me today on The Solution, a wellness manifesto. I appreciate you being here. I hope that the information we covered in this week's episode was beneficial to you and that you can apply it into your life to help yourself move away from sickness and towards health. I'd like to thank my sponsor, Functional Performance Chiropractic and Wellness, for their ongoing support. And I'd like to appeal to you. If you know anyone who would benefit from the information we're talking about on this show, and I know you do, please refer them back to episode number one so we can all get started on the same page. I look forward to working with you and them. Until next week, take good care of yourself.